have joined and said amen. Thank you, worship choir and band. What a wonderful way of celebrating in worship as a unified congregation, bringing the best of all of our worship into our service this day. Thanks be to God. Jesus said, fear not more than any other commandment, yet it's often the toughest for us to obey. Easier said than done. I'm here to testify today, our key thought if you're taking notes, that Easter has the power, gives us the power to live without fear. To illustrate this, I've consulted with the late theologian, Dr. Seuss. When I was growing up, I loved it when my mom would read Dr. Seuss books to me, The Cat in the Hat, Green Eggs and Ham, and my favorite, Go Dog Go. We read them to our daughter Isabella when she was a little girl. Now she's in college. And they still have a tender spot in my heart today, especially Miss Tanya Costle when our Child Development Center celebrates Dr. Seuss Day every March, which it did last month. Dr. Seuss dealt with real issues in his books. In the little story, What Was I Scared Of?, he addresses the issue of fear. The story has just two characters, a cute little bear-like creature and a pair of green pants. The little bear encounters the scary-looking green pants on a dark path one night and turns and runs away as fast as he can. He tells himself he's not afraid of the green pants, but it doesn't work. Every time he sees them, he is afraid and runs away. The little bear lets the fear of the green pants affect almost everything he does, constantly living in fear of seeing the green pants, so he no longer goes to the places he used to go. He can no longer go to Greenwich to fetch Greenwich spinach. He can't go fishing because the green pants know how to row a boat. Can you identify with the little bear creature? Many of us can. Our fears often prevent us from accomplishing our full potential. Perhaps there are places to go and people to know. Maybe God is calling us to a particular type of service or ministry in the church or in the community, but our fears hold us back every time. God is saying yes, but fear causes us to say no. Maybe God is leading our churches to do something truly amazing, and fear causes us to say we've never done it like that before. Or we did that once years ago, and it didn't work. Like the little bear in the story, we can let fears close the door on opportunity for growth. But we must realize that there is much more to life, and we cannot let fear stand in the way. Often we let fear block the door, but that is not God's desire for us. It's okay to be afraid. I get afraid a lot. We just don't want to let fear or any of anything or anyone control us. Martin Luther once said in his journal, you cannot prohibit the birds from flying over your head, 
just be sure they stay in the air and don't build a nest in your hair. Contemporary Pastor Max Lucado says it like this, Fear may fill our world, but it doesn't have to fill our hearts. It will always knock on the door, but we don't have to let it in and invite it for dinner, and we certainly don't have to give it a bed at night. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, 1 Timothy 1.7. The Apostle John wrote, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear, 1 John 4.8. God spoke through the prophet Isaiah saying, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you, Isaiah 41.13. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. John 14, 1. Today, we join the women as they went to the tomb early that Sunday morning, the third day, but also the first day of the week. The third day, Jesus rose, but the first day of the week. They went to look at the tomb. Perhaps it was one opportunity for them to mourn. After all, on after his death on Friday in preparation for Sabbath, the burial was rushed. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus did everything they could, but it was so rushed. So they went that morning hoping to find his body and to be able to offer the proper burial that he most deserved, and they could just sit and be present. After the Sabbath at dawn, as we read in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers in Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. Matthew's gospel is anything but quiet and mournful. He tells us that there had been an earthquake, that an angel rolled the stone away and had sat on the stone. Guards were scared stiff, and the angel spoke to the women. Matthew says that the women were afraid yet filled with joy. Can you imagine what it would have been? Can you imagine what they would have been feeling? They came to mourn and to offer their Lord a proper burial, and they saw a stone rolled away with all of that activity, and then saw an empty tomb, 
and heard news that Jesus had been raised just as he said? I think that this fear with great joy was something like having butterflies in your belly. You know what that's like? It happens to me every time I walk into this room. Pastor Wesley, you shake your head, yes, sir, and you know exactly, Pastor, what that's like. It's like when you're getting ready to say, I do, or when you're getting ready to start that first job, or when you're getting ready to send your child off to college. Fear with great joy, like when you're expecting a new baby, butterflies in the belly. With fear and great joy, the women ran to tell the other disciples what the angel had said. And suddenly, without any warning, Jesus met them. He was alive. He greeted them. Some translations report that Jesus said, greetings. Your Bible will have greetings with an exclamation point after it. But other translations more appropriately have him saying, rejoice or peace be with you. I like rejoice, exclamation point. If you're and I aren't careful, it's easy to miss what Jesus is saying beneath the word when he says rejoice. This is a Greek verb in the plural imperative, meaning you are to rejoice. It's a command that he's giving them. He gives them a command to rejoice, to worship. And then not to be afraid. And then to go and tell the others that they will see him in Galilee. Their first response was worship. And they sure did worship. When we are afraid, perplexed, and feeling unsure about things, we should do what these women did. We worship. And I'm so glad that you are here in the midst of all that life is bringing in your life situations that we worship. One writer says, worship is forgetting what's wrong with us, even for a few moments, and remembering what's right about God. It enables us, worship does, to find something good to praise God about, even when everything seems to be going wrong. I would suggest that worship is the antidote to our fears. Jesus said, do not be afraid. He knew what was running through their minds, and he met them right in the tracks of their tears. Jesus does the same thing for you and me today. He wants us to trust him with all our fears and all our doubts. I'd like to offer us some very practical help this week. You can find it in your notes. Jot some things down if you want. But some life application for us. Two aspects of fear. One, remember that fear is a normal human emotion. We all get afraid. It's normal. Fear serves a healthy function. It's part of the fight or flight mechanism that God created within each of us. Keeps us from harm's way. It's the canary in the coal mine, warning of potential danger. Healthy fear keeps a young child from running out into a busy street. Healthy fear keeps us from making poor decisions like 
going out somewhere and then driving under the influence. Healthy fear kept David safe and enabled him to get away from King Saul as Saul was pursuing him, wanting his life. I would suggest that feeling fear or feeling afraid is not the same as being afraid. We can feel fear, the emotion, the emotion of it, but not let it make our decisions. We can choose faith over fear. And the next thing about fear is that Jesus takes it very seriously. He gave over 125 commands in the Gospels. And you know the Gospel of John also tells us that he did a whole lot more that's not recorded in the books. But there are at least 125 commands. And out of those, he said, do not be afraid more than anything else. Even more than love God and love neighbor. That's that's the second most frequent command. I wonder if he didn't know that our fears can cause us or can keep us or restrict our love of God and love of others. Perhaps that was one of the reasons why he said, fear not so many times. You've heard Pastor Philip say numerous times that there are 365 fear nots in all of the Bible. Pastor Rick Warren, I heard him say this in a devotional, that there's one for every day of the year, a fear not for every day of the year. This command could come in a lot of different forms. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not let your heart be troubled, and so forth. But just know that God is with you, giving you and me peace in the middle of stress, danger, and uncertainty. While fear not is a very common command, it is more easily said than done. I believe, I would submit that it's probably the most difficult or the toughest commandment to keep. Some people say, Pastor Bob, I disagree. The Ten Commandments, I mean, hello, uh, worship God only, remember the Sabbath day, honor your father and your mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. Uh, Pastor Bob, what book are you reading? Others might say Jesus most, the most difficult command is, is his great commandment. Love God, love neighbor as yourself. Pastor Andy Butler writes that love your enemies is the toughest commandment to keep. I agree all of these Ten Commandments, the great commandment of Jesus, love your enemies. They are all very difficult commandments to keep. By the grace of God, we seek to follow them. But none are as tough as fear not. Perhaps that's because we are afraid so often and of so much. We see so many threats to our well-being that we can hardly believe it when we read the word, do not be afraid. Sometimes you might think, yeah, right, Jesus. But the words that the angel spoke to the women that Easter morning are meant for us today. Hear them again. Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. The very worst thing that could possibly happen, the death of God's son on the cross, has now been overcome by resurrection. 
Darkness has been replaced by light, and death has been replaced by new life. Let me share four ways that we might overcome our fears as we go, as we leave here and go through this week and, and, and um, journey through life. The first one's just simple. Name your fears. I encourage us to get out a journal or, or a notebook or if you use your the notes on your phone, whatever, and name your fears. Maybe it's a fear of rejection, fear of change, fear of being left out. Perhaps not getting a fear of not getting into the college I want or the job I want or not finding that special someone. Fear for our children's safety. Fear of losing our independence. Fear of losing our health. Fear of failure, which I deal with a whole lot. Fear of not having enough to live on and so forth. You, you just write them down. Just name them. Talk to a counselor. Talk to pastor. Name them. When we name them, then we can, second, we can face them with faith. This means we give our fears over to the Lord who is in control. We acknowledge that we can't deal with this all on our own, that we need God's help. So we name them and we face them with faith. The little bear in the Dr. Seuss story faced his fears made them his friend. It was not by choice that he ended up face to face with the green pants. He was terribly afraid. He wanted, he cried and he wanted to run away just like before. But then in Dr. Seuss' story, he tells us what happened when the little bear creature faced his fears. But then a strange thing happened. Why, those pants began to cry. Those pants began to tremble. They were just as scared as ever. The next thing you know, the little bear had a new friend, a green one with pink legs. In the facing of his fear, he was able to discover that it was not as bad as he thought. In fact, he didn't need to be afraid anymore. Two more practical helps. Very simple. Number three, trust that Jesus is in the future, that he goes before us. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where I am. Jesus is always out in front. He knows the future. And fourth, trust that he is also here with us now. Because in Matthew 28, verse 20, and in a number of other places, Jesus said, I will be with you always until the end of the age. He is with us now and can help us overcome our fears. That's what it means to, to live by faith. We cannot see Jesus, but we know that he's with us. We live by faith, not by sight. Faith in the risen Christ provides us the discipline, the confidence, and the courage to move on in spite of of our fears. Perhaps we could summarize this life with Jesus and express it in three little words, faith over fear. Faith over fear. You and I can live faith over fear. 
close our time with the story of a young man you probably have seen in the news recently as the Augusta National Golf Tournament has gotten underway, the Masters. Sam Bennett is the youngest of three boys, fifth-year senior at Texas A&M and a member of the Aggies golf team. He won the 2022 United States Amateur Tournament, which gave him a slot in this year's Masters at Augusta National. He has captured the hearts of America as he has skillfully carved his way through what some say is the most beautiful slice of golf real estate in the world. In Thursday's first round, Sam Bennett was paired with Scotty Scheffler, the defending champ and the number one ranked player in the world. Sam Bennett did not flinch, and after yesterday's second round was tied for third place, just four strokes behind the leader, Brooks Kepka. Sam's story is bigger than golf, and I think Wolf would agree is reflective of what's most really important in this life. Sam's dad, Mark, got him into golf as a child growing up in Madisonville, Texas. Mark was always there to support and encourage his son through his young career. And in 2013, Mark began to show some signs of memory loss and other cognitive challenges and was eventually diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Some of you in this room know exactly what that is like. Sam was just 13 at the time. Mark passed away from this debilitating disease in June of 2021, just as Sam was ma making his stride on the Aggies golf team. Sam knew that his dad wanted him to pursue his dreams. He wanted to find a way to remember his father, and he did so in the form of a tattoo on his left forearm. In June of 2020, a year before Mark died, he gave his son some of the best fatherly advice a son could ever ask for or a child could ever ask for. Quote, don't wait to do something. And he signed it, Pops, June 12th, 2020. Sam said, Dad, could you write that down for me? It took 15 minutes with his mother's assistance, with his wife's assistance for Mark to write those words, five simple words down on a scrap piece of paper. They ended up being the last words that Mark ever wrote. Sam took that small scrap piece of paper to the tattoo parlor and had the words from his dad permanently inked on his left forearm. Sam said, quote, my dad was the reason why I started playing golf and why I wanted to be good to impress him. During an interview, Sam said, looking at the tattoo is the new pre-shot routine I do right before I'm about to strike the golf ball. I look at it and I'm like, don't wait to do something. It's something that will always stick. He said, my dad means the world to me. Sisters and brothers, young children, students, adults, older adults, church, God is saying, don't wait to do something. In other words, don't live in fear. Easter says faith over fear. Easter gives us the power to live without fear, to overcome it, trusting Jesus to lead us into a future with confidence. 
We will face situations that make us anxious and afraid, won't we? Absolutely. But with God's help, we can name our fears and we can face them with resurrection faith, with the mindset of don't wait to do something. Don't let fear keep you stuck in your tracks. Don't let them make you emotionally stuck. We trust in Jesus who said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Don't wait to do something. We can stop letting fear cause stress and start living in God's peace that passes understanding. Don't wait to do something. We can stop being afraid of what others think about us and start living according to God's purposes and plan for our lives. Don't wait to do something. We can stop being afraid of failure and start trusting that God will empower us to do more than we could ever possibly ask or imagine. Don't wait to do something. We can stop being afraid of the future and start enjoying the fullness of life today. Don't wait 